This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, YA is sponsored by the Book Riot Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, the smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of every book you read. Evenly interspersed among these entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a new perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, Find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes inspiring an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Get your copy at bookriot.com slash readharderjournal. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book right podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Friday, December 21st, 2018, about three weeks before you're actually going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. We're not even going to remember. <laughs> no, not at all. It, and, and that'll be the fun part is the discovery of like, what did we actually talk about on that show? <laughs> so with the, uh, with the Book Riot Journal, can I like walk into my local indie bookstore and be like, listen, I I I kind of work for these guys. Can I, what's my discount? Will that work? <laughs> I mean, you could try it with your local indie and see what they do, if anything. Hmm. I'm going to think about this. <laughs> I mean, my my local indie has them on shelf. So, I mean, I already have a discount with them because I'm part of their – they have like a um, frequent buyer club. So, Ooh. like I already, you know, get a little discount. But, um, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, – what what's going on in our reading lives like right now? Um, I know last episode you talked about how you often read uh, more than one book at a time, and that got me thinking. Like, do you track how much you read in any given time frame? Like, I've always done it, and uh, I'm really excited to see that I'm just about to finish 200 books this year. I'll probably read like 202, 203 by the time all is said and done, and. Um, I didn't set a goal. Like, I don't like setting goals because that feels like a pressure. But Mm -hmm. I really do enjoy sort of seeing, like, the progress over the course of a year. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I don't. You know, like, I know we have, like, cool tools and websites like uh, Goodreads and everything. But I just – I always forget – uh, and according to Goodreads, I read like zero books this year, (laughs) which I think is hilarious. (laughs) Like, you don't know me, Goodreads. Um so yeah, no, I never really track anything. Um, and I'm also the kind of person that forgets I read a book like eight months later. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should track things so I remember. Uh, maybe keep a little like journal or something. But yeah, no, I don't. And now this is making me think I should. I, t- I always find it fascinating. Like the reason that I track it and the reason that I've always kept a book journal is for that exact reason. Like I always worry I won't remember that I actually read the book already. Um <laughs> You know, and I don't know if you have this experience, but, like, I read a lot of reviews of books, too, and sometimes, like, I read so many reviews of a book that I think I've read the book, even though I haven't. Yeah. Um, So it's like that, at least keeping a record (laughs) reminds me of, like, oh, I didn't actually read that book. I read 500 reviews of that book, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when it comes to to reading, like, an actual book book, um, I just finished Watch Us Rise by Renee Watson and Ellen Hagen, and it was awesome um it's an intersectional feminism uh basically think moxie 
but more intersectional. And um, it's got two main characters, and one of them is a, a fat black main character, and one is a, an average size white character. And um, sizeism plays a big role in the story, and it was so awesome to see that. Um, I haven't seen it a whole lot in YA, and it was very, very present here, especially in the discussion of feminism itself. But the story itself is about these girls who go to a very social justice-focused uh, high school in New York City, and they are um, required to be in part of a club as part of like their school curriculum. And the girls aren't necessarily thrilled with the club options and want to start their own, so they start one that is a feminist club, and uh, one of the, the tasks that they do is to create this blog where they they write, they share their writing, They're, they like to write poetry, and uh, the blog really takes off. It causes a stir with some of the administration, and the girls decide that uh, that stir means that they're doing the right thing and they need to like take it up a notch. So um, it was awesome. Uh, like I said, it, it reminded me of Moxie and maybe with um, – some peppering of Amy Reed's The Nowhere Girls. Like, it really, mm -hmm. it checked all of my boxes. Um, and the verse, the poetry is right in the book, and it was just awesome to read that. There's this beautiful poetry. Um, what about you? What have you been reading? Uh, so, yeah, so as of this recording, I'm about halfway through Cindy Pond's Ruse, which is the sequel to Want. Uh, so I talked a lot about this book uh, in the early days of the <laughs> podcast when we were young and full of hope and all that. And uh, <laughs> it's it's maybe like the most unapologetic sequel I've like ever read. Um, and I just like love it for that. Like the first chapter just like jumps right back into the book. Like you're right in the heart of this like action scene. Um there's no, like, exposition to be like, you remember what happened in that last book, you know? Like, there's there's no moment like that at all. Uh, it just, like, barrels ahead, and it's just, it's great. I love it. Um, I want to read more books like that, where it's just like, you know what? If you didn't read the first book, sorry, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, it's awesome. Um, yeah, and I'm also, uh, I'm also moving uh, in, oh my god like 10 days. Um, so all my books are packed. Uh, I actually had a really hard time uh, preparing for the podcast because usually I'll look through my little library and I'll say, oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. And they're not, none of them are there. So I only, have three, I only have three books not out of the, uh, out of the boxes and that's uh, Cindy Pond's book, uh, On the Come Up by Angie Thomas and Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer <laughs> Dugan because <laughs> I'm totally going to read them uh, over the break. Um, it's so funny though, when it comes to moving, uh, and I'm curious if you do the same thing, uh, like the first thing I pack always tends to be my books because there's so many of them, it takes forever. Uh, and then it's always the first thing I unpack because mm -hmm. they take up so much room. Like, I swear if I wasn't moving, uh, with, you know, if I was moving only with like my non-book possessions, everything would fit in like the car. Like I have like <laughs> my computer and like some... For, but I could throw out all my furniture. I just have, like, my computer and some notebooks, and that's all mm -hmm. I really care about. Um, but, yeah, the books, like, oh, man, we need a truck because I have to have all these books. We we had the same issue when we moved um, earlier this year. And um, it's funny because, like, when I was in, um, you know, college and grad school, I moved so much. It was, like, once a year. It's like you moved from dorm room to dorm room, apartment to apartment, and then uh, – when I got my first full-time job, we moved from an apartment and bought a house, and we lived in that house for, I think, eight years, almost eight years exactly, and it's like you don't realize how many books you accumulate over the course of eight years when your <laughs> job is literally to talk about books, mm -hmm. um, and so I ended up spending a lot of time first weeding my books. Like I am uh, unapologetic about culling my, my book collection. Uh, <gasps> Gasp. Well, yeah, gasp all you want. The thing is, it's still huge. Like, this is not like, I'm not a minimalist by any, you know, stretch of the imagination. Uh, mm -hmm. But the same thing happens is it's like, that's the first thing I have to pack, and I'm very strategic about it. I learned, like, you know, 10, 12 years ago during one of those many yearly moves that um, 
using flat-bottomed recyclable bags really works well because you get the handles that make it easy to carry them. And they're also Uh, kind of like – I don't want to say they're squishy, but they're easy to navigate into tight little spaces in a way that like boxes aren't. And then also it's just nice because then when you're done packing, you have like 50 or 100 reusable bags that you can use for anything. Um, so, so yeah, it ends up being that those get packed first because there's so many, but also then they're easy to carry and like navigate around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, and then I have the exact problem that you had when we moved into the new house this year. Um, I just had, my dining room was full of bags of books and I was like, well, they can't just live here because this is sort of <laughs> obstructing everything. And yeah, that ended up then being the first thing that that got unpacked for the same reason. Um, it's just, it's funny, like book people problems, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh man. So shall we ahead. jump into our, uh, plans to help everyone with their new year? Yes. Let's go for it. But first we have a sponsor. Um, today's episode is sponsored by, uh, the similars by Rebecca Hanover. Uh, this fall, Uh, Six new students are joining the junior class at the Elite Darkwood Academy, but they aren't your regular overachieving teens. They're clones, and they're joining the class alongside their originals. The Simlers are all anyone can talk about. Who are these clones? What are the odds that all of them would be at Darkwood? Who is the Matman who broke the law against cloning to create them? Emmeline Chance couldn't care less. Her best friend, Oliver, died over the summer, and it's all she can do to get through each day without him. Then she comes face to face. Uh, with Levy, Oliver's exact DNA replica, and one of the similars. Author Rebecca Hanover is an Emmy Award-winning television writer who's bringing her fantastic plotting and captivating voice to YA. With issues such as DNA, human cloning, and secret societies, this story is timely and topical and will appeal to a wide range of teen readers. In trying to give this book a futuristic feel, Hanover consulted with her engineer, inventor, and futurist father-in-law, Ray Kurzweil. Using some of his predictions, she was able to shape the world of the book into something futuristic yet believable. This fast-paced narrative and cliffhanger ending will keep fans on the edge of their seat until the very last page. And that is The Similars by Rebecca Hanover. And now I'm going to have to read this because we <laughs> talked about this on the past episode, how I like those like clone books. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. All right. You got me, Book Riot Ed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, man. do you want to introduce this one? Since this was your idea you came up with like two weeks ago and we're so excited you sent it to me right away. And yeah. like we, we prepared for this one in advance. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so leading into the new year, which I think you'll be listening to this in the new year, uh, we wanted to talk about some uh, reading resolutions for trying new genres. You know, right now you are likely seeing lots of clickbait articles or you saw lots of clickbait articles that are, you know, new year, new you style pieces talking about how to fix that or fix that about yourself and don't fix anything. You are perfect. But in case you are looking to read some new genres, uh, we thought we'd dive into a couple uh, to expand your reading interests in the new year. Yes. Yes. Um, so we, we pulled together a few different genres within YA, and we'll just offer up some recommendations in each one, like great starting places if you're thinking, I want to read more you know, historical fiction this year, I want to read more fantasy science fiction this year. Um, yeah, so should we start? Let's start with um, historical fiction and, and go from there. Um, do, you want to, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sounds good to me. Um, so the first one I want to talk about, because in your list, you mention a writer from this city, um, is a Richmond writer named uh, Anne Blankman and her book Traitor Angels. Uh, so her series, uh, Prisoner of Night and Fog, um, are also really great. It's a duology that came out a few years ago. Uh, but Traitor Angels is definitely my favorite of hers. Uh, readers meet Elizabeth Milton, daughter of John Milton. Yes, the Paradise what? Lost John Milton. Yeah. This is why historical. <laughs> so we are hanging out with John Milton uh, in this book. Uh, in the novel, she's helping transcribe his uh, epic Paradise Lost uh, when he's taken away and arrested. Uh, and inside the manuscript that she's working on, she discovers a secret hidden inside that uh, could help save a lot of people, could make her a wanted person. I don't know. There's a couple things going on. Uh, it's sort of Da Vinci Code-esque. Um, but fiddling around in uh, Paradise Lost. 
So that one is uh, Traitor Angels by Anne Blankman. It's super good. Why and have I, I not like heard went, about this? I know. I feel like it went really under the radar uh, a couple, I don't know, it was like two years ago, three years ago. Um, it's awesome. Oh, man. I, I love these stories that take uh, real people from history and then, you know, tell it through a different lens and, and mm-hmm. give it some twists and turns, which that's what that sounds like. Um, oh, yeah, that's really fun. I'll uh, start with the other Richmond writer that you had referenced. Um, My first pick is Burn, Baby, Burn by Meg Medina. Set in 1977 in New York City, the book follows a teen girl named Nora Lopez uh, through some challenges going on with her family. And uh, that in itself is a big part of the story, which I'll get into in a second. But the thing that really uh, makes this historical rather than just like set in the 1970s... um, is that it's set during the uh, summer where Son of Sam is infamous in New York City. He um, He's an arsonist and a serial killer, and he has been um, shooting random young people throughout the city. And so there's a lot of terror around being young, being out uh, and about, and sort of having that freedom that being a teenager comes with, especially in a city like New York. Um, Nora is um, dealing with a brother who's becoming increasingly erratic. And at the same time, she's really feeling this pressure from school to apply to colleges to sort of like figure out her future where Nora is really trying to figure out what to do right now. Her mind is really focused on um, surviving day to day rather than sort of planning for this nebulous future. And that's only compounded with with Son of Sam and the situation going on there. Um, what I loved about this book is it digs into, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this up today, I guess, uh, intersectional feminism. It's really smartly woven into the story. And um, it's a really imperfect feminism, which feels real and time appropriate and still, um, I think, really hits on some issues we're dealing with today. Um and I'm not usually one who cares about New York City stories because I don't I don't live there and don't have like this <laughs> romantic notion of the city. Uh, but I really love this one. I thought the setting was wonderful. And uh, yeah, I just this was like historical fiction that worked really, really well for me. And that is Burn Baby Burn by Meg Medina. That sounds so, so good. Uh, and it is so, so good because it is Meg Medina. And it's like you said something <laughs> interesting while you were, were talking about that, um, how you're saying it's not just a book set in a certain time. Uh, and I think that's what really makes a great historical YA or just a historical novel in general is when, like, that historic setting feels like it's not just a setting but, like, a character, you know? Mm-hmm, it's, like, mm-hmm. as important as the people that are floating around. Yeah. Um, it's, like, something I talk about in my agent life sometimes, too, when I'm talking about uh, – like YA historical when someone's like, Oh, I'm going to set this book in the nineties. So the character can't use social media. Yeah. No, that's, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah. So, so one of the other titles that I have listed, I'll just talk about it now, uh, kind of ties into that. And that is, uh, Tahara Mafi's a very large expansive sea, which came out this year. It's Mm -hmm. set in, um, Okay, so the first thing I wrote is don't at me because this is historical fiction, even though it is set in 2001, um, you know, which some people are going to cringe thinking about. But just a reminder that, you know, people born in 2001 are, you know, uh, 17. So they're, you know, they've they've been around a while. But um, <laughs> anyway, the reason that this one is historical fiction is because it's purposely set in 2001. Uh, sorry, it's set in 2002, uh, one year after 9-11. And um, that setting is really, really important because the story is about a girl named Shirin who um, she is um, – <sighs> She's dealing with Islamophobia, essentially, uh, growing up in an era where everybody is afraid of people who look like her, who dress like her, who have the background that she has. And um, it's an easy, I think, introduction to historical fiction, especially for readers who are reluctant, because um, it it can be easy to see that history or or to believe that history happened a really, really long time ago when Mm -hmm. really like history is – you know, yes, there's 
history that happened long ago, but there's also history that's really modern, that's really contemporary, that happened in the lives of people who are still very young. Um, and this book does a great job doing that. Um, while also following a 17-year-old girl who is dealing with racism, Islamophobia, but uh, who is also struggling with having fallen for a white boy and the struggles of sort of navigating the tricky terrain that is being who she is and experiencing what she experiences and also wanting a relationship with somebody who would never have these sorts of same um, interpersonal experiences that she does. Um, what I loved about this one was that the main character is really, really angry and is unapologetic about how angry she is about everything. And it's just, um, it's so palpable and so realistic. It really gives a sense of that time period and the feelings that existed um, then that obviously still exists now. But I don't know about you. I was in high school uh, during 9-11. And I remember the shift in just how people became even more openly racist and fearful than they were before. Um and so this hit on a lot of those notes and did so really, really well. And that is A Very Large Expansive Sea by Tahara Mafi. Awesome. So for my next few ones, I'm just going to dish uh, some collected works tips. Um, the first one I want to suggest is uh, the work, the collected works of Stacy Lee. Um, pick up Outrun the Moon and Under a Painted Sky, as well as keep an eye out for her upcoming novel, uh, The Downstairs Girl, which comes out next year, which I feel like I've been like hearing about that book for like a while. Maybe maybe because she like tweets about it while she's writing, but um I don't know if you've seen the cover of that, Kelly, it's but beautiful. oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I cannot wait. Um but when it comes to people who like well research uh, you know, their setting and, and the, the the time that they're writing in, Stacy is just I think she's just one of the best. Um I've read articles where she's talked about learning to ride a stagecoach in order to make the, <laughs> the things that are going on with her characters uh, as realistic as possible. Um, and her books are just fantastic, including her contemporary novel, um, Secret of a Heart Note. So, yes, pick up uh, those three historicals, Downstairs Girls, when it comes out. Um, and also treat yourself to that other book, because it's a delight. I'm, I'm, like, looking at my list. I'm like, what do I talk about now? Um, what I haven't talked about... I don't think on the show uh, is Loving versus Virginia by Patricia Ruby Powell. It came mm. out maybe two years ago. It's a mixed format novel that includes actual historical documents from the 1950s, as well as um, some drawings and verse. Uh, it, so it, it, it uses all these different tools to tell a fictionalized version of a real event. And uh, it fictionalizes the story of Richard and Mildred Loving, who were an interracial couple dealing with a host of situations that threatened to ruin their relationship. It was against the law for them to be together, and yet um, they were taking all of these steps to be the couple that they wanted to be because they, they loved each other so much. And um, it's because of them and their tireless work um, against anti-misogynistic laws that allowed um, interracial marriage to happen. Uh, and so the book sort of gives you their story. It gives you their love story and gives you um, all of the work that went into changing the laws. Um, this is one of those books that, like, it feels like it happened a long time ago, but it really did not happen that long ago. Um, yeah. And I remember there was this point in the book where they talked about um, they couldn't return to the county where they had been living because they had broken the law um, until 1984. And I thought, that's the year that, excuse me, I'm going to age myself here. That's the year I was born, which really was not that long ago. Um, you know, and you think about, like, they were outlawed from even returning to the place where they had grown up until then. Um, it's a really, really powerful book and um, just different and yet is part of a larger conversation about um, race in the U.S. and the sort of um, work that individuals had to do to change these really horrific laws. And that is uh, Loving versus Virginia by Patricia Ruby Powell. Oh, man, I'm going to have to pick that up. <laughs> um, so my next uh, collected works recommendation is uh, all the books by Ruta. Now, how do you pronounce Ruta's last name? Is it... Cepedus, maybe? 
Cepedas? Is it Cepedas? Well, I feel like a jerk, but because I really, really love all her books. Um, Between the Shades of Grey, Salt to Sea, Out of the Easy, um, they're all stunning and super researched. Um, Salt to the Sea uh, definitely made me weep in public. I was like waiting to catch a bus <laughs> and <laughs> sitting there sobbing, reading this uh, gorgeous, gorgeous book about a uh, a shipwreck that um, I don't know. It feels like one of those like lost moments of history because we don't talk about like i don't know i didn't learn about that shipwreck in school i also went to a bad school so yeah it is what it is um <laughs> but i would pick up all of her books because they are just uh they are just something and isn't there a between shades of gray movie yes like, i was out I and was, about i was gonna bring that up like it will it was at um an international film fest a couple of years ago i feel like and i think it's getting its theatrical release in january or february uh so we'll be able to see it soon oh, the, okay. the name changed it's something like ashes on the snow um oh. but it is coming and it's coming soon um which i i really like that book so i'm curious how the movie how the movie will yeah. pan out that's wild that it's taken that uh roundabout way to get here yeah yeah Oh, well, good. Give me that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll offer one more historical fiction, and that is um, Dream Country. Ugh, let me try that again. Apparently talking is very difficult when I'm working from the couch. Um, <laughs> um, it's Dream Country by Shannon Gibney, which I, I talked about on the show a little bit, and I've been so surprised it hasn't gotten more attention because it deserves it. Um it's a family saga, so go into this book for the family saga, knowing that it also packs in hundreds of years of history of this family um, through the lives of individual members. Um, it's moving and powerful, and it really looks at the history of Liberia and the United States, and specifically the black experience in both countries, uh, pre- and post-slavery, what happened in, in each country. Um I, I keep comparing it to Homegoing, the adult mm. novel that came out last year, which packs in this massive amount of family history and history of um, black people in America and in Africa um, in just this like slim little novel. Um, this book does the same thing. And um, yeah, it's just it's it's a great book and I want more people to read it. And um, since it has one of the main characters, the first character uh, we're introduced to, it's set in uh, contemporary Minneapolis. I think that'll be a hook to get people to then dive into the historical aspects of the book. Um, and that, that is dream country by Shannon Gibney. Nice. That's a good roundup of uh, excellent historic reads. What's uh, what's next? How about we do uh, science fiction and fantasy? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> oh, so like, admittedly, this is not my forte. Um, and I, I like wrote that in the show notes. I was like, this is not my forte. And then I was like, wait, I can even a bunch of great science fiction books. It's a uh, fantasy that I'm a little, little less uh, well-versed in. The, mm -hmm. Fantasy seems to be the genre where I read a lot of reviews, but don't read as many books. Um, but, uh, let's, let's dive in and I will start, um, where should I start? You know what? I'm going to start because you get away with it all the time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about a book that I talked about so many times and yes. that is, <laughs> uh, that is Devils Unto Dust by Emma Burquist. It came out this year. Um, it's set in the late 1800s in West Texas and it's a zombie book, um, Featuring a really awesome main character who doesn't take anything from anyone. And uh, the premise of the book is that this community is fenced off from the rest of the greater landscape. Because outside of the fence is zombie world. And the zombies will attack. But um, the main character's father has a debt that he owes. And now... Um, she, the, the main character, has to find her father so that their family doesn't get, you know, desecrated. Um, and so it's about how she travels from the community she's in to the community she needs to go to, where she thinks her father is hiding out, and how that happens when you're surrounded by zombies. Uh, the the um, pitch is 28 Days Later meets True Grit, which I think is a really spot-on uh, meets 
and it is a standalone, which is great, and it blows by. Like, it's 500-some pages, and I read it in about two sittings, um, because it's really fast, and that is uh, Devil's Unto Dust by Emma Burquist. It is a huge book. But, yeah, it feels intimidating, but it is not. And I'm excited for her new one. I've seen some, like, tweets floating around here and there. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to... Make sure I uh, add that to my my queue. Um, so yeah, so it's sometimes it's hard to f- think about good like gateway sci-fi fantasy reads because if you're not like utterly smitten with sci-fi fantasy, I feel like sometimes those books can be like a little jarring. Like we just talked about like a really big book, mm-hmm. um, and like I love Six of Crows and want everyone under the sun to read it. But if I hand that book to like a friend or a cousin who doesn't like sci-fi or fantasy or YA novels. Like, I'm going to get that book right back. You know, like, they're not going to hold on to it. Um, so I, I got a couple of good gateway ones that are a little shorter. Um, and I feel like they're a little like uh, like Emma's book where they blow by really fast. Um, so my first one is Truth Witch by Susan Dennard. Um, I've talked about this one before. Um, and her ongoing series in the Witchland just... Ah, it just I feel like they just get better and better with each book. I know Blood Witch is coming out uh, fairly soon. Um, it's in a world of witches and magic where... Uh, people, they're born with these things called witcheries, which uh, give them these magical abilities. Uh, and one girl, uh, her witchery is that she's able to tell whether or not someone is lying. Uh, and this skill is you know, highly desired as an asset or, you know, a weapon in the kingdoms of the world. Uh, and if you're like Kelly and you only want finished series, um, as great as Truth Witch is by Susan Dennard, you might want to pick up uh, Something Strange and Deadly. Uh, it's an alternate history steampunk romp with magic and zombies and just everything you could think just crammed into <laughs> one story. Um, and all three books are out. They got a paperback redesign uh, that looks really gorgeous. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for, you know, just to read one book, Truth Witch is great, stands on its own. Um, or if you want to read a whole series, uh, maybe pick up the Something Strange and Deadly series. They're a lot of fun. Um, my next one is We Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchinson. Um, mm-hmm. I... I skipped over the first book with this theme that I was going to talk about, and I'll come back to it. But um, I realized as I was putting this list together, and it's something I've always known but didn't realize until I started, like, really thinking about it. I love alien stories. I think they're so great. (laughs) Um, And so this is an alien story. Um, Have you read – oh, it's this book called The Fifth Wave. There's, like, aliens (laughs) in it. I hear there's a fifth anniversary edition. Uh, oh, we're terrible. Continue. Oh, man. <laughs> we Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchinson is not the fifth wave. Um, this one follows a character named Henry, who is periodically abducted by aliens. And the, the premise of the book is that he's presented with the option of saving humanity or letting it all blow up. Quite an option to make. Mm, and so... Decisions. The, the book, then, is about Henry sort of figuring out whether or not the human race is worth saving. Um, it digs into a big loss of a loved one in his life, as well as uh, his grief over that and his mental health challenges. He struggles with depression. And so um, given, then, this really huge choice uh, from the aliens – we kind of go with him wondering, like, is he going to press the button and end it all? Is he going to not press the button and let, you know, everybody continue on doing what they do? Um, it's it's also, as we, we mentioned, uh, it's a bigger book, but this one also flies by. It's a standalone. And, um, yeah, just a really fascinating look at what it means to be an alien and what it means uh, – Maybe to not be an alien. Uh, and that is We Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchinson. I love his weird books. They are so much fun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so my next pick is uh, Tracked by Jenny Martin. I don't know if I ever talked about this. Maybe I talked about this one earlier. Um, so it's a duology that reads a lot like The Fast and the Furious, only in space. <laughs> Readers meet a teen street racer um, who, once she gets scooped up and sponsored by a corporation who basically owns the planet that she lives on, finds herself in a position to exact serious change not just for herself uh, and her friends, but also the entire star system. Uh, It's set in a future, you know, 
fairly far away. I don't think you could say a not-too-distant future when mankind has colonized a couple of planets. <laughs> but uh, it's really, really fun. Uh, there's only two books in the series, and like I said, it reads super fast. Uh, and there's a great love triangle. And that is Tracked by Jenny Martin. I'm going to go back to my alien thing. And, uh, Yay! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the duology Adaptation and Inheritance by Melinda Lowe. Uh, I believe we've talked about this a few times, but mm-hmm. um, I love this duology so, so much. It's about um, aliens, obviously, and it's uh, about aliens, what happens when they come to Earth. It's also a romance and about government conspiracies and I think has – one of the best romantic twists that I've ever read in a series. Um, it's super, super queer. So readers who uh, want a queer love story will will really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I, whenever I think about the ending of this duology, I just I'm like, she did that, and that was awesome. Um, and that is adaptation and inheritance by Melinda Lowe. Nice. And my last one for the mix um, is Heart of Iron by Ashley Poston. Um, This is probably one of my favorite books uh, released this year. It's an Anastasia-inspired YA space opera that's really light on the opera and heavy on the wit, action, swoons, and uh, sexy robots. Um, So it's (laughs) in a universe uh, where robots, also known as metals, are banned after a violent revolt. Uh, And a teen girl, space pirate, and her illegal metal make a home for themselves amongst the stars uh, until he gets sick and she has to risk everything to save her best friend or is he more I don't know swoony robots Kelly Uh, (laughs) I love this book it is so much fun Um, the second book oh shoot what is the second book called Uh, I don't know heart of iron (laughs) 2 two heart two iron comes out next year uh, and I'm really really excited for it so uh, check this one out it's super fun super funny Uh, and if you like Firefly uh, or that book Alex and Ada I feel like you're gonna inhale this book and that's uh, Heart of Iron by Ashley Poston so I just looked at the timestamp on our conversation, and uh, if we're going to go through all the categories, we're going to have like a 12-hour long podcast. So, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for it, but listeners will be like, really? Again? Um, so let's let's like rapid fire the next categories and just like okay. hit, hit two titles in each one and just like bam, bam. Sound good? Done. All yes. right, cool. Uh, YA Horror. Uh, my first pick would be Frost by Mariana Bear. It's one of my favorite YA books and totally underrated. Um, it only ever came out in hardback, which can make it find make finding it like in libraries a little tricky. But there is an ebook, so you can pick it up uh, that way. Uh, it's it's about a girl named Lena who her senior year at this private boarding school. Uh, she's really excited that she and her friend get to live in this off-campus house. It's an old Victorian house. Uh, they're really excited to sort of have this independence. But uh, things sort of get frustrating when Lena shows up the first day and discovers that she has a surprise new roommate and this girl named Celeste, who is weird. She's just weird. Um, <laughs> so there's this like uncomfortable dynamic going on here. And uh, then weird things start happening in Frost House, which is the name of the the house that they live in um doors lock themselves frames fall off windows and there's an incident with insects that i'm not going to repeat on air but uh just you know needless to say like i think about it a lot and it gives you the creeps um so the new roommate celeste is convinced that this is all stuff lena is doing to get her to leave whereas lena's like no this isn't me this is you um It's eerie and creepy and has the best twist of what is really going on that I've read in a long time. Uh, It's standalone, and that is uh, Frost by Mariana Bear. Right. I don't think I've even heard of that one. Um, Let's see. So if we're talking about our YA horror reads... Uh, I'm going to bring up This Is Not a Test by Courtney Summers. Uh, I feel like a lot of readers are discovering Courtney Summers again, thanks to the brilliance of Sadie. But this book, which Kelly frequently yelled at me to read, uh, is a zombie horror story with a bunch of teens trying to survive the zombie apocalypse inside of a high school uh, while delving into themes like mental health, suicide, abuse, and so much more. So it's like a quiet, sort of issue-driven book with zombies. Uh, It's like the 
I don't know. It's such a me book, and I'm so mad that it took me so long to read it. Uh, and I think uh, our listeners will love it as much as I did. And that is uh, This Is Not a Test by Courtney Summers. So my next pick in horror is The Devil and Winnie Flynn by Mikol Asto. Um, it's for readers who don't want bloody or gory for their horror. Uh, it follows a uh, teenager named Winnie who doesn't believe in ghosts. And this is sort of an important thing to keep in mind throughout the, the story. Um, mm-hmm. She spends the summer with her aunt, who is a producer of the wildly popular reality TV series called Fantastic Fearsome, which explores all of the sort of myths and legends and horrors and haunts going on. And so Winnie is spending the summer... Uh, working on this show, even though she doesn't believe any in any of this, and um, her responsibility is to dig into the legend of the Jersey Devil. As she's doing this, she starts to maybe revisit this idea of whether or not ghosts exist, um, and it's about demons and ghosts both that exist outside of us and those that exist within us. Uh, it's told as an ongoing letter to her friend, which gives it like an even more interesting spin in how it's being told. And yeah, it's also got reality TV, which I just love. I love that setting. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a different take on the horror story and, um, kind of forces you to question like what a horror story really is. And that is The Devil and Winnie Flynn by Nicole Astow. All right. Uh, and then my last, Horror pick will be uh, Shudder by Courtney Alamedia. This is a novel about the great, 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 etc. relation to Van Helsing, uh, who happens to be a teen girl that captures souls and spirits using her camera. Uh, Over the course of the novel, she gets infected with a spirit, uh, as well as the rest of her friends, uh, and she's going to have to uh, exercise herself uh, before the spirit uh, takes over and and basically kills everybody. Um, It's really awesome, really underrated. and just a, a lot of fun. And that I think Shudder came out uh, like four years ago or so. So, uh, yeah, go and uh, pick this one up and look for her next book coming out. Oh, goodness. When is that? She co-wrote a, a book coming out. Oh, you know yeah. What? I don't know. Go on Goodreads <laughs> and, <laughs> and find it. Um, but for now, pick up Shudder by Courtney Abadia. Uh Let's move on to contemporary realistic reads. And... Uh, I wrote in the notes, like, I'm going to open up a can of worms here as somebody who has written a whole book on this. Uh, There's a fun fact for anybody who doesn't know that about me. I wrote a whole book about contemporary YA books uh, back in the day. Uh, But all these books I'm going to talk about, all two that we're going to hit on real quick, um, are very, very recent titles. Uh, The first one is A Heart in a Body in the World by Deb Coletti. It's an all-too-timely, again, feminist, I'm going to keep bringing that up today, uh, feminist novel about the ways that toxic masculinity harms every single person. Uh, Annabelle has been the victim of a controlling boyfriend. That's a spoiler, but really I think you need to know that kind of going in. Um, Who believes that she belongs to him and only him. And she is triggered uh, months later in an incident after um, what he did to her. And to clear her head and to try to do something with this series of feelings she's experiencing, uh, she decides she's going to run. And suddenly, as she's running, she decides her goal is to run from Seattle, where she lives, all the way to Washington, D.C. She doesn't really have a plan about how she's going to do this or, like, uh, no goal beyond knowing she wants to get to D.C. But she knows that deep down this is what she needs and what she really wants Along the way, Annabelle uh, connects with her grandfather, who is following behind her in an RV. Um, There's a cute love story with the grandpa in this, uh, which just, like, made my heart so big. Um, It's a a story about her uh, going through tough things and seeing how awful the world can be while also meeting these wonderful and, like, genuine people along the way. And that is a heart in a body in the world by Deb Coletti. Oh man, you are bringing up lots of books I haven't uh, heard of yet. That's excellent. Um, so let's see. Uh, for me, uh, "Your Welcome Universe" by Whitney Gardner is a is a must 
read if you're looking to get into these realistic YA contemporary books. Uh, I've hyped this one up a lot uh, over the past few podcasts, and it's a book that just brought me so much joy when I read it. Um, it's about a deaf, te- a, uh, a deaf teen girl, <laughs> uh, street artist, who finds herself uh, in a heated territory battle with another graffiti artist, um, while the world around her is pretty much falling apart. She's kicked out of school. She's having a hard time adjusting. There's having some problems with her art teacher. Uh, the list goes uh, on and on, uh, as well as a complicated love story uh, tossed in the middle of it. Um, it's really exciting and really fun. Um, great, diverse read. I just, uh, I just love this book so much. Uh, and Whitney Gardner has gone on to publish uh, quite a few more books. So see where it all started and uh, pick this one up. I'll second that one. Yeah. Uh, And my second one for Contemporary Realistic is Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Letting-Smith. This one's for readers who are especially looking for uh, a native main character, which are – those are challenging to find in YA. Um, Mm -hmm. And this one is about a cast of activist characters making change in their own community. Uh, Louise is our main character, and her boyfriend – who was this very popular guy in in high school, has been making some really racist remarks about her heritage and her background, and she decides to dump him. When she does that, she ends up taking this larger role on the school's newspaper. And the, the big story that they're working on is about how the community is getting really angry that this year's school musical, which is The Wizard of Oz, is becoming more inclusive. Uh, so racist tens- tensions in their Kansas town uh, really, really um, increase. And Louise has a really personal stake in this story and in this situation because her brother is the Tin Man in the play. And so um, it's a book about um, student journalism and racism, the way that those two things weave together. It's about the ways that Native history and culture have been eviscerated in American history. And um, it digs into this idea of creators and their problematic viewpoints and histories and how it is possible or if it's possible to navigate a love of art with the knowledge of a creator's problematic history. Uh, It's a really, really smart book. And that is Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Letting Smith. Oh, man, that sounds awesome. Um, Let me see. I'll do another quick uh, read all their book recs. I'm going to add Jandy Nelson to this one. Uh, I'll give you the sky and the sky is everywhere. Um, I'll give you the sky. I'll give you the sun. <laughs> and the skies everywhere are uh, are rather fantastic. Um, and I also want to make sure I mention uh, We Are Okay by Nina LaCour, which is uh, also up on the top list of favorite books I picked up this year. Um, we talked a lot about this one. It won some serious awards this year. I don't know. What's that, what's that little award called, Kelly? It's, a, it's like a little... Uh, what thing. is it like the, uh, the the Queen Award, the King Award, uh, something? <laughs> so yeah, this book is great. It's heartbreaking, short, and just a gorgeous book you can just inhale in a single evening about a teen girl uh, coming to terms with her past. Now she's left it all behind and settling, uh, or at least trying to settle down uh, away at college. It's a book about family, loss, and grief, and it's just—I mean, to call it a perfect little book is sort of exactly right because it is a little book and you can read it in a uh, in a single night so pick this one up and then put it on display in your house because it looks like it belongs as <laughs> yes. a, a found object <laughs> yes um, let's uh, real quick two nonfiction titles I'm going to throw out for readers who want to read more YA nonfiction uh, Americanized Rebel Without a Green Card by Sarah Sadie which I know I've talked about this year but I'm going to bring it up again it's a memoir uh, about growing up as an Iranian American and learning that you don't have a green card and thus have some challenges with being a normal teenager. Uh, it's really funny and heartwarming and features a really awesome family. Uh, Sadie's whole family is just wonderful and um, the humor that she brings into what is a really tough situation just like uh, – it's one of those books that, like, you want to hug because you just you love it so much. Um, that's Americanized Rebel Without a Green Card by Sarah Sadie. And then I'll really quickly mention, too, uh, Unprecedented by Martha Brockenbaugh, which I just read, um, is a very critical biography of the current president. And uh, it is so meticulously researched, Eric, I kid you not, that it's, like, 75 pages of notes Research notes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, 
it's a beautiful book, really well designed, uh, lots of photographs, lots of charts and graphs, and just um, really well written and well thought out. And um, there's there's nothing in there that's especially surprising, but I think it's really remarkable that there is a biography that's critical of the current sitting president uh, available now for young readers, and that is Unprecedented yeah. by Martha Brockenbrell. That is so awesome. Um, when it comes to YA nonfiction on my list, um, well, I mean, your books are a good place to start. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite nonfiction YAs is uh, Queer There and Everywhere by Sarah Prager. Uh, it's a book that features 23 LGBTQ people who made history that you might not have heard of. Um, yeah, it's a. When did that book come out? Last year, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I don't know, it made me want to work on more YA nonfiction in my agent life. Uh, let's wrap up the show since we're, we're running, running long here, which is great. Like we have so much more we can talk about, but, uh, let's just mention one book we plan on reading, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, for me, I, I've mentioned in last, uh, in the last episode that I always start my year with a Brandy Colbert book if I can. And so the first book on the top of my TBR is the Revolution of Bertie Randolph, which is her forthcoming book. Um, it's a book about a girl who's always done the quote-unquote right thing, uh, according to her parents, but now she's met a new boy, and her aunt, who's struggled with addiction in the past, moves back into her life, and so she's beginning to think about maybe spreading her wings in some new and different ways. And also, the cover of that book is just outstanding. Uh, just beautiful. Um, so that's going to be one that I pick up uh, really, really soon. And for me, well, I'm going to finish Ruse, uh, and then it's probably on to Hot Dog Girl by <laughs> Jennifer Dugan, which I've been hyped about for months and now finally have. Um, it's about a teen girl working at a theme park who might finally have a chance with this boy. Um, or wait, no. I think? I don't know. I have to read the back again. Uh, but finally has a chance at love, but has to navigate everything while dressed up like a hot dog, because that's her <laughs> summer job. Uh, it looks delightful and funny, and I can't wait to read it. That cover, every time I think about that cover, and every time I think about the title of that book, it just, like, it makes me giddy. I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. Uh well, I guess that's our show, so thank you all for tuning in again this week as we record, like, weeks behind when you actually get to listen to it. Uh, if you have any feedback about the show, go ahead and leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. When you do that, you also help more people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.